We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we work and learn, and pay respect to the First Nations peoples and their elders past, present, and future. We're recording on Gadigal land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Press Play, a euphony podcast and powered by Yamaha headphones. I'm Tiana Speeder, your host. Now, normally each week you'd be catching me and my co-host Andrew Mast, as well as some amazing people from around the industry, to dive into all things new releases. But since it is our last week in action for 2021, and it's getting towards the end of December, we thought it was especially fitting to bring you a two-part special. It is Press Play's best of 2021. And across two episodes, we will be taking you back through the year that was 2021, including a roundup of favourite albums, EPs and singles, some live music reminiscing for those who were able to get to a gig this year, and a few other highlights from a year that certainly didn't pan out how most of us expected. Joining myself and Master for these specials is also our regular Steve Bell, host of Rewind with Steve Bell and co-owner of Sonic Sherpa Records. And we will all be sharing our standouts from the year together throughout these two parts, And Steve Bell has actually also been a very busy man himself of late. Season 8 of his podcast, Rewind with Steve Bell, has just unveiled with a three-part deep dive into Paul Kelly's seminal track, How to Make Gravy. That's available right now on euphony.com.au to grab a listen to. Tis the season. And don't forget, Gravy Day is next Tuesday, the 21st of December. But back to press play now. Me, Masty and Belly will be joined throughout these two parts by an army of guest reviewers and guest artists, all giving us their faves, highlights and standouts from the year as well. For part one, our guest artist will be the sensational Milan Ring and the supremely talented Dave Bailey from Glass Animals. And to help you relive 2021 music style, we've also made up a special press play best of 2021 mixtape on Spotify. There you can follow along with all the artists and songs that we chat about in these two parts and you can find the direct playlist link in our show notes. Forget your Spotify wrapped playlist, Press Play's Best of 2021 mixtape has got you covered with a heap of new releases from this year. Love music? Ready to revisit 2021? Press Play. To kick us off, I'm joined now by Andrew Mars to remind ourselves what actually happened this year, and we also have a little chat about some of the best of lists that are doing the rounds out there right now. Well, myself and my co-host, Andrew Master, here now. Masty, welcome to the best of 2021 for Press Play. We made it. I know. We've only been doing the show for a very short time. We're already doing an end-of-year wrap-up. I feel like we've cheated a little bit. Ah, look, you know, we've well, we've we've technically been listening to music all year, so I feel like we're allowed. <laughs> well, the end of year is upon us, as we all know. But to kind of recap about what was going on. Also outside of music, it's been such a wild and unpredictable year. And obviously we will get to the music highlights imminently, but to quickly recap 2021, looking back to January, Marcy, I don't know about you, but my jaw dropped when I realized that the American capital attack was right at the start of 2021. And so many other moments happened alongside, not just the pandemic. So we had Joe Biden, of course, starting his presidency, 
We had the security deal between Australia, the US and the UK announced, which obviously a big part of that was the US pledging to provide Australia with tech to build nuclear powered submarines. We saw the COVID-19 vaccine rollout started in Australia after a very sluggish start. The words of the Australian national anthem were changed for the first time since 1984. Memes went mental. That, I know. That was this year. Can you believe it? And obviously there were memes aplenty when um, the cargo ship Ever Given got stuck in the Suez Canal, sparking many, many things on Instagram that I laughed at way too much. Um, going back to Facebook, temporarily blocked all Aussie news sites from sharing any of their content on the platform. Luckily that did reverse, but that was pretty hard going for a lot of people. Ongoing snap border closures and lockdowns, which myself and Marcy obviously know far too much and Marcy a bit more than me. We also saw Ash Barty win her first Wimbledon singles title. Billionaires started a space race. Brisbane secured the hosting rights for the 2032 Summer Olympics and Paralympics. Victoria copped an earthquake, another one Marcy was obviously witnessed for. Oh, yeah, that was fun. Yes, that was a brilliant morning to wake up to before Marcy. But obviously in the AFL, the Melbourne Demons defeated the Western Bulldogs. Britney Spears' conservatorship obviously came to an end. The Panthers defeated the Rabbitohs in the NRL. The country collectively sighed with relief when missing four-year-old Cleo Smith was found after disappearing from a campsite. And there's obviously been a lot of lows for a lot of people, and I don't want to speak on behalf of Marcy, but for me, the one constant was having new music to look forward to and enjoy. Somehow, so many of my favourite bands released music this year against all the odds. And Marcy, as you and our listeners would have seen too, we've started getting a lot of the best of 2021 lists coming out over the past couple of weeks. You know, sometimes that brings out the, oh, it should have been higher, or this wasn't on there, and this was too high, but... Masti, have I missed anything that was significant for you in 2021? And have some of these best of 2021 lists matched up with what's on your best of 2021 list so far? Uh, your, your summary of the year, it, it does. It happens to me at the end of every year. It's like, really? I thought that was last year. Yep. <laughs> so There were so many moments like that. Uh, and I know people have said this time and time again, but I think the um, the lockdowns and I have, especially here in Melbourne, they've really uh, warped uh, your sense of time. Uh, and it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to um, keep track of it. Um, but again, lots of new music, uh, kind of, um, I probably listened to more new music than usual because there wasn't, mm. there wasn't the ability to go out and see live shows, probably watched more TV than ever before. Um, so many good things though. If, if people, people who know me hit that, hear me say, I watch more TV than usual. They'd be like, no, not possible. But, <laughs> yeah, I did it. Um, so, and, and then when the lists come out, I, I just seem to be going, Oh, how, I, I missed that. I missed that. I haven't heard that. So it's been interesting uh, looking at what's in the list, um, you know, things that I still not listen to. Uh, Vince Staples, Jasmine Sullivan, they're popping up so much in the lists. Uh, Tyler, the creator. Um, I think I listened to one track, never got around to the whole album. So mm. that's just, and it really feels like the rebirth of Tyler, the creator happened this year. He's had a very controversial career. Hey, I, I saw him live um, way, 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 way back uh, when he came out with his collective back in the day and his first ever show, um, I think it was his first ever show in Australia. It was atrocious. I remember trying to leave but couldn't because the room was so packed I couldn't get out. The thought of being stuck in a room that packed that you couldn't move now is the more frightening thing. Terrifying. Um, but yeah, so and, you know, and and everything that's happened uh, personally and politically with Tyler the Creator to see him. Uh, uh, hailed again you know didn't didn't see that one coming um 
seeing Adele release an album that that people have either loved or hated or like me just going, "Eh, it's another Adele album. Mm -hmm. Um, But the fact that, yeah, it has been hailed in a lot of the list too. And Olivia Rodrigo, it's great that pop that used to be shunned in these end of year lists is now uh, seen for what it is. It's seen, it's, it's no longer looked down upon. It's appreciated as art. And just to see Olivia's name, I think she topped the billboard one she was in guardians top 10 mm-hmm. it's just been great um to to see things like that yeah definitely and i think what's been interesting for me to see like this is very self-indulgent thing to say but a lot of songs or albums that i have loved this year have made it and given my lust for heavy music that was a surprise as well so seeing pop seeing heavier stuff embraced a bit more in these lists that are you know very very highly esteemed by a lot of people but it also just made, like you said, it made me realize how much music it was and how much I have not and, you know, may not get to actually get through at this point. But interestingly, a new discovery for, me, for mine that I will mention later in this special. So I had a look at NPR's list and they had Silk Sonic coming in at number 50, which is an album that I just absolutely really liked. But it was really great to see Hiatus Coyote's Mood Valiant clocking in on a few yes. lists as well which yes, just makes right. me like, it's like, I don't even know them. I'm like, oh, I'm like a proud mum, my Australian boys and girls and everyone, you know, all these people doing so well overseas from here. And I have well, to say. Hmm. It, it is great. We've we've seen the Australians that seem to be popping up the most in overseas lists are, as you said, Hiyo's Coyote, um, Courtney Barnett yeah. and Genesis Orusu, who yes. well, everyone loves Genesis here in Australia. Um, when I when I talk about my top albums later, he's just missed my list, like just just missed. Um, but he's popped up in some overseas lists as well. And yes. like you, your reaction to Hiyo's Coyote, you just get so excited that to yeah. see those those Aussie names being embraced like that. Yeah, and it's like seeing the album artwork. You're like, oh my god, it's Aussie, it's Aussie, it's Aussie. Like just seeing it all. In the, I mean, yeah, small thrills in 2021 for yeah, me, Marcy. But <laughs> well, in that NPR list, so Hiatus Coyote came in at number 32, and they were just pipped by Doja Cat. And I have to do a shout out here for our assistant producer Henry. I know he is a big, big fan. So big one for Doja Cat there. And Vulture also classed her track Need to Know as number one on their best of 2021 list. So big props there. And I think to a band that I had to miss out on for my albums, I was happy to see the Bronx make it on Double J's Top 50. I'm obsessed with them and they're coming to Australia next year and they're playing near my birthday, so I'm very excited. But again, on Double J's, obviously, no, you know, we understandably there will be Australians, but we had Holy Holy, we had King Gizzard, UMI, and, of course, Press Play's continued favourite album that we loved earlier on was Courtney Barnett's Things Take Time, Take Time. But Marcy, I don't know, you've probably seen as well, we mentioned like obviously Genesis Owusu has been making repeated impressions on stuff. So I've also seen Lil Nas X pop up on many lists, BTS obviously with their singles. Little Sims has come out, which one of our guest reviewers will actually speak about today. Olivia Rodrigo kept popping up for me as well. And Wet Leg is one that one of our guest artists in today will also speak about as well. That is one I actually only heard this week, but I have gone back and I am now a fan. Uh, Wet Leg have been an absolute uh, must for me this year. Mm. Um, each each of the singles as they've come out, it's like, hang on, each one's better than the previous one. Yeah. Read interviews with them. They're just amazing. I am loving everything about um, Wet Leg. And it's interesting you mentioned uh, Doja Cat as well because like uh, Olivia Rodrigo, um, uh, Doja Cat's popped up in quite a few lists, like uh, mm-hmm. top five Billboard, top five Complex. So again, it's a part of that um, 
that renaissance of, of pop acceptance, yeah. which I'm really liking. But for me, I guess one of the things that's happened is I look through the lists and it's like I add stuff to my, oh, I've got to hear this. Like floating points had completely passed me by. Mm-hmm. It, there it is. It is just everywhere. And I know it's going to come up again. Um, I have no doubt it's going to come up again in today's episode. Um, so I, that has gone right to the top of my list uh, for must for must uh, for must playing for summer. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really the, high up too. That's the yeah. thing. It's not just like sneaking in or just scraping by. Like it's been number one in some lists. Like I think it was pace list. It hit number one, and I was like, oh, okay, I need to pay attention. And and turnstile um, turning up on everyone's list, and I was thinking, oh, who's this new young band? Only to find out, no, not new. Been around for a while, but we'll talk more about turnstile later. No oh, yes. doubt. <laughs> but um, if if I can say, I I, I like that um, because later on we've only talked about our top three albums of the year. So when you're culling your list like that, there's a lot that you missed out on. So I just want to uh, name check a couple of things that are turning up. In, in these lists, uh, you've already mentioned Little Nas X, uh, number three on Billboard, number six on Rolling Stone. I just want to point out, he was written off two years ago as a one-hit wonder. Mm-hmm. So this is an absolute incredible, I don't, can you call it a comeback after two years and the fact that he actually kept releasing singles? Probably not. But it, it is an amazing um, return. It's had... It, in 2020, um, I think everything went a bit quiet for him. But this year, two massive hits, including the title track of the Montero album. Um, and I never actually listened to the album in one sitting. I, I seem to have come across each track one by one at random times until suddenly it's like, oh, this is, there isn't a dud track on this mm. album. I, I remember even shrugging Industry Baby off at first but you just can't fight Little Nas X's hook. So this is just one of the most amazing turnarounds um, you've ever seen of, of someone that was written off and, and all power to him. It's a great mm. album. Another one, Dry Cleanings, New Long Leg. Um, it takes me back to my youth and the post-punk bands whose seven-inch singles I'd collect back in the day. This was number 10 in Pitchfork's year-end roundup. It was reviewed by Simon Reynolds, pretty much the leading expert on post-punk. He wrote the um, book Rip It Up about the genre. He actually compared this to the play and TV series Fleabag. And that pretty much nails it's these spoken word tales of medication shopping, even scabs and other daily ordinariness. It's funny, it's poignant. And Bug Eggs is, you know, in my long list of songs of the year. So it, it was quite a different album. And I was really glad to see it in those end of year lists, uh, The New Yorker as well, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the British lists. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I liked seeing, um, seeing that turn up everywhere. Yeah, and that's interesting you brought up, like going back to Lil Nas X, that I'm actually going to speak about Lil Nas X a bit later, but not in the way we think. There was actually a really brilliant cover that everyone will probably know now that I've said that, that um, there was a very good cover version that was recent with that. And two, what I noticed is that um, like some really big albums for the heavy world, like Gojira's Fortitude that I think I mentioned earlier and Architects for those that wish to exist were two that I really, really loved and had to go back to. And they actually were getting up really quite high on a lot of them, but I think as well for any artist who A, could put out music in a pandemic and B, survive against Adele, Elton John, Taylor Swift, Olivia Rodrigo, Tyler Creator, Drake, so many others. Like it's just so exciting to see. I think what I've liked the most is just the diversity in so many lists. Like, yes, we do have the staples that are continually showing up, but there's all these bands. Like I think I noticed as well, you mentioned Floating Points, but we've got The Armed and Snail Mail were also ones that 
I just kept, I now know those album artworks by look only because I just kept seeing them. So I'm really excited because I feel like we're going to go into a huge year where bands are going to start to get on the road as well. But we've just got so much amazing music and I don't know how we're all going to cull it down for the specials that we're putting together today, Marcy. Well, I'm very excited for you that you get to see Bronx next year because they truly are one of the best live bands around. Um, oh, I've yeah. seen them in both forms, Bronx and their mariachi version. Yes. Yeah, so good. So very excited for you. Something Thank to look you. forward to in 2022. Yes, I'm sure that they did it just for my birthday too because I actually I interviewed Matt a couple of years back and I invited him to play in my living room because one of their gigs fell over. It didn't come through, so maybe this is my time. <laughs> we'll see. But for everyone listening out there, we are putting together a very special press play mixtape. We do have our standard one. Of course, we've made a Christmas one. We're putting together a best of 2021 mixtape on Spotify. So we're going to include a lot of the bands that we speak about today, a lot of the singles. We've got a huge mix of our guest reviewers and guest artists as well. So it's going to be a very lengthy playlist, Masty. So I don't know if you're going to have room in your playlist to put all these extra ones in there now. But before we jump into chatting about our favorite albums of the year with Steve Bell joining us. Let's jump over to our first special guest artist to help us celebrate 2021. Here is singer-songwriter and R&B star Milan Ring sharing some memories from 2021 and some releases she's been loving this year. Back in episode six of Press Play, we actually chatted about a brand new album from an extremely talented individual. The amazing Milan Ring released her debut album, I'm Feeling Hopeful, earlier this year, covering the struggle of finding your own inner sanctuary and finding hope in the dark. And the end result is truly an electrifying listen and further proof that Milan Ring remains as a firm fixture and a pioneer of the Aussie R&B renaissance. And as Press Play's first guest artist for our Best of 2021 special episodes, here's Milan sharing with me how it feels to be releasing an album in 2021 and what some highlight releases have been for her this year as well. It feels um, kind of surreal, so exciting. Um, I kind of, you know, I was holding the record for the first time yesterday and feeling it in physical, tangible form just it made it feel real, even though it's been feeling surreal. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just very exciting. Like I, I am, I'm very proud that I was able to achieve this over this last few years that have been so challenging for all of us. But um, I guess it kept me focused and it kept me hopeful. So <laughs> a very perfect sentiment for the album too. I really, I love that. And it's a very important sentiment for 2021. And speaking of which, we are talking our favorites of 2021. I dare say yours is going to be up there for a lot of people in their list, but in terms of other artists outside of that, I know you've been very busy creating this, but has there been any albums or EPs or singles or even just bands and artists in general that you've been really obsessed with in 2021? Um, yes, lots. Uh, off the tip of my head, um, I mean, close to home, I absolutely love Nairi's album, um, Genesis Owusu's album, and I've been listening a lot to Yabba's album, Yabba Smith's album. Um yeah, they're, they're the ones off the top of my head, I think. Um, just the authenticity, like they're just so unique. Um, they've really cultivated, each of those records um, really cultivated their own lane, their own sound, you know. Um, I know we like to compartmentalize things and chuck things into genres, but I really feel like, you know, they're, they're the type of albums that cross so many genres and and but done in just such a um, unique and interesting way. Yeah. 
And while we are celebrating all things 2021 here on Press Play today, here's also a brief insight into what Milan Ring has planned going into 2022. Shows, absolutely. I cannot wait. I've already started to plan the whole like how I'm going to perform this album. I've got so many ideas of how I want it to sound and look like and feel. Um, But yeah, we're definitely going to be going on a tour. So um, I'm really excited to announce that soon and yeah, hit the road. Um, It's been a long time coming, so I absolutely can't wait. Well, 2022 is certainly shaping up to be a huge year for so many artists, both here and overseas and Milan Ring included. But now it is go time. Let's take a look back at some other new albums that dropped this year. I am bringing back Masty and we're also going to be joined by our regular fave, Steve Bell. But we are narrowing it down. So we've given ourselves a little bit of a task to narrow down our favourite three albums of the year instead of having 10 or 50 like a lot of the best of lists have had. So here we go. Here is what made our best of lists this year. Well, to start off with Press Play's Best of 2021, we have already had a bit of a wrap-up of what has happened in 2021 so far. We've had a bit of a chat about a couple of the best-of lists that are already doing the rounds out there. But myself and Masty are now joined by the amazing Steve Bell, and we're actually now going to dive into some of our own personal favourites from 2021. So whether it's going to be ones that were on the list we've already talked about, I'm not entirely sure, but... I'm going to throw to the amazing Steve Bell, who is just fresh off having some brand new Rewind with Steve Bell episodes out and about as well. Belly, what is one of the albums that you have been absolutely obsessed with in 2021? Hey, Gianna. Um, I'll start with Parquet Court's seventh album, Sympathy for Life. Uh, they're one of my favourite bands, so it's not very surprising, but it's a bit of a dancier direction for them. And uh, took a few listens to really, really sink in. But yeah, I just adore it. It's been pretty much a constant since yeah. it dropped. It's a great record. Well, I think like that was one. I have a feeling we did mention that one on Press Play when we first kicked off. I can't remember I if did, that one. I gave that a big rave review. That's right. I was like, I feel like we've definitely had a thumbs up That's on That's why me. I got into it mainly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been an amazing one. And I'm going to divert slightly from that one. Like it's no secret. I do like stuff a little bit of the heavier pers- persuasion. But the first one for me is the incredible album Radical from American Behemoth, Every Time I Die. So this one I did make Masty listen to when we were first piloting press play and he made it through. But for anyone who didn't know about Eated prior, the noise and the ferocity is so loud on Radical. And most people probably got secondhand listening from anyone on the same continent listening to the same album. But they're kind of these rarities who they did change the game. Like people like to throw that kind of phrase around, but like any genre that ends in core, so like metalcore, hardcore, post-hardcore, whatever you've got, they've been there, they've done that. But with Radical, it's actually made its way onto a lot of best of lists as well. So I can say that I have the list in my favour for this one, but Karan called it the most relentless album to date, hit number one on their best 50 albums of 2021. Heavy Mag gave it 10 out of 10 and Rockseller Magazine summed it up perfectly saying, this is a record meant for repeat visits. Just make sure you take the time out to really listen to what they're saying. So Radical makes good on its namesake. It's a revolutionary release that doesn't hide in metaphors, but it's got some poetic lyrics, some healthy summoning of Southern rock moments and just a bit of a sophisticated take on the unrest and upheaval in the world right now. So yeah, no no secret I loved this one. I was always going to love it because I love every time I die. So yeah. 
And that was the one that surprised me with the, the Southern rock elements that you pointed out. That, that's, that, that's what I was not expecting from that album and, and ended up enjoying quite a few other tracks on it. Oh, it makes so. me so happy. That's, that's just my <laughs> Christmas present. <laughs> Marcy, what do you got for us? I'm going to start with um, with June Jones. She's a Melbourne-based artist. Look, she's found her way into my end-of-year list multiple times over the years, going as far back as when she was in this um, punk band. Well, they called themselves emotional punk band, um, Two Steps on the Water. Spotify is telling me that her, two of her songs are amongst my most played of the year, um, Home, from this album. But this is now. Tired of winning from Jeffrey O'Connor's album of collaborations. It's, it's very lo-fi, emotive electronic music. Uh, it especially reminds me of the best work of David Sylvian back in the day. Yet it also feels like it's it's the power ballad of the future. It doesn't feel dated in in any way whatsoever. So yeah, Leaf Cutter for me is has been a really uh, important album. And um, yeah, June's got some live shows coming up, so I'm hoping I can be there. Oh, exciting times to think about live music. <laughs> now, Belle, what else has hit your top three for 2021? Which is sometimes a bit of a tricky ask. But what's next for you? Uh, I went with Courtney Barnett's uh, recent album. Album. I know that's another one you guys waxed lyrical about on Press Play. Um, I just think I lo- I've loved everything she's done, but for a while there, when there was a, when a bit heavier, the extra guitars, I, I think trying to adapt to playing bigger rooms, it sacrificed a bit of what I really love about Courtney, the, the jangly acoustics, and, and this way it puts more of the focus back on her amazing lyrics. And it's a bit of a sad album, but it's mainly uplifting and it's just gold from start to finish. I think she's... um. Yeah, outdone herself this time. Amazing talent. And yeah, it's just a wonderful record. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more with that, Belly. I I went to those big room shows where she'd really rocked up the sound and I, I loved them. Like they were amazing. But somehow going back to this, it just makes me love her more. It's yeah. such a good album. I, I think on the show I said it was almost a perfect album. I, I, I've listened to it so much since. I think it is the perfect album. It, it's it's just right in every way. I'm, yeah, I'm glad you've pulled that one out. And that is another one I noticed. Like I keep seeing the artwork showing up on some international list, which just makes me endlessly happy as well to see that being embraced, you know, at home and beyond as well, like with a lot of other Aussies this year. It's been very exciting. But unsurprisingly for me, I'm going to the Ukraine now. Um, So I actually reviewed um, the Ukrainian Juggernauts Ginger earlier this year. They released their new album, Wallflowers. And I do have a bias. They're from the same um, village in Donetsk in the Ukraine where my family's from. But aside from that bias, they are generally one of the hardest working bands in town. 2021 has been a huge year. So they're kind of people who had a really big hype around them. And people weren't always sure if they were going to match the hype that was kind of happening. But to paint a picture, they kind of draw from the likes of Slayer, 
Pantera, Opeth, Cypress Hill, and even some Aussies. So 12 Foot Ninja and Carnival were some, you know, little influences for them. And um, the ginger vocalist Tatiana actually teamed up with 12 Foot Ninja for a track this year as well on their album Vengeance. So there's a nice little crossover of influences and camaraderie there. But with Wallflowers, I had to pick this one in my top three over Gojira's album Fortitude, which was an insanely tricky choice. But in a nutshell, Wallflowers is relentless, much like 2021 for a lot of us. But they've basically tried to shake off all these assumptions and they've risen to a really integral moment here. So this was one they had to prove themselves. And basically, pardon my French, they don't fuck around here. Like we contrast clean and guttural growls of front warm Tatiana. They are just ice pick precision with like what they're doing technically. There's gent, there's melodic reprieves, Eastern influences. And there's even a point, I think the drum kit may have been pounded into a fine groove paste in some of the songs, but stylistically there is so much going on. They've given it their all. It's irritable. It's beautiful. It's dynamic. And it really does deserve a revisit if you slept on it this year. I just can't get past Ginger and Ninja joining together. That's, oh, that's I think <laughs> I remember when I saw it, I was like, Ginger, Ninja, it's just too perfect. <laughs> well, Marcy, what have you got next? All right, uh, this next one, I'm going to begin with a disclosure that I'm not sure how to pronounce this artist's name. It's an enigmatic collective out of England. They've offered no direction on the name. It's spelt S-A-U-L-T. Uh, like many, I've been pronouncing it SALT. But in more recent times, people have been suggesting it's French and should be pronounced Sue. And there are others now saying because it often appears in all caps that it's an acronym, so it should be S-A-U-L-T. But the majority of fans seem to have agreed on SALT. We'll probably hear them referenced again sometime uh, in this podcast. But I just want to say after two, two albums in 2019, two albums in 2020, this year SALT released one and deleted it after three months. I wanted to revisit it before uh, we spoke today, but my vinyl hasn't arrived yet. So physical copies are all that remain of nine. Uh, That's the name of this Soul album. It's it's soulful and funk. uh, From what I can remember, Uh, they mess with a few other genres. There's a bit of gospel sometimes. Look, it's rumoured to involve Little Sims producer Inflow. I'm very intrigued. But mostly I'm just looking forward to actually owning my own copy one day very soon. Yeah, I feel like that's across the board with the vinyls and something Belly probably has witnessed throughout 2021. I've got that in the shop. Oh, now. Oh, my God, Belly. Trip to Brisbane. (laughs) I I actually went into a few uh, record shops nearby and no one had it in stock, so I I folded because I I prefer to be able to support the local record store. I folded and ordered it, and now look what's happened. I I should have ordered it. Morality time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, who's going to race Marcy to Belly's shop to buy another one? (laughs) but belly's looking very happy with himself right I'm, now. Quite, I'm quite impressed i'm not gonna lie <laughs> oh that's brilliant well belly what is your final top three album for 2021 for us today yeah, it was tough to narrow it down but i ended up going with uh quivers um and their golden doubt album uh i just adored it from when it first came out they're a young band um melbourne based these days but they were from tassie originally very jangly again, unsurprisingly. Um, just amazing lyrics. Great band. Unfortunately, yeah, they were supposed to tour a few times post-album, but it's been cancelled up here anyway every time, so I haven't had a chance to see them play these songs yet, but that's probably the only um, 
negative out of the whole thing. Like it's just a brilliant batch of songs. Look, they did an album last year. They they covered all of REMs out of time, which I bought on vinyl from the States and I listened to that so much. So I had a pretty good lead in to it. But um yeah, it's just a brilliant another brilliant Aussie album, sort of slightly under the radar, but that's fine. They're a great band. Yeah, and that's I think that's the thing. I love uncovering those little hidden gems sometimes like that. And um, I was half expecting you to say the vinyl was from your shop, but that's all right. <laughs> it, it's the story of the year, though, hearing great new music and you're not getting that next step of mm. getting to see it live, that exciting moment of hearing your favourite new songs come out at a gig. And, boy, that's just really been missing this year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll just imagine, like, how many gigs are we all going to have to smash in next year if everyone is able to tour? I'm already tired but excited. <laughs> Well, my third album for today, I actually picked one that has popped up on some mainstream sites. Um, so some people have put it in for like in their best of years. I'm talking about Glow On from Baltimore Group Turnstile. So Glow On made Rolling Stone's best 50 albums of 2021. It came in at number eight and it actually beat out all other rock albums in that list too. And I personally think for very good reasons. So Back in 2018, Turnstile started to get attention for their album Time and Space, and they were kind of really positioned externally as being in the hardcore and punk realms. But with Glow On, it it just smashes labels and categorizations. So instead, what we get is the sonic equivalent of lightning in a bottle. Basically, Glow On feels like a mixtape in the actual sense of the word. So they experiment with a lot of contrasting influences. There's still some gritty moments to appease longtime fans, but this is anthem after anthem that just dulls the doom and gloom we've been living under this whole year. And I chalk a lot of it up to producer Mike, I'm going to hopefully not say it wrong, Mike Elizondo, who I think is the secret source here. So he's actually um, a prodigy of Dr. Dre, his producer Eminem, Mastodon, and even the Jonas Brothers. And what he's helping get here is we get some more groomed edges of turnstile and glow on. We still get some mosh ready moments on tracks like Time and Space, Funky Grooves, there's bongos, there's wailing solos on various songs. But for me, a huge standout, and everyone will probably call me very basic for this, but lead single Holiday is an unforgettable moment. Simple, bouncing, just sweaty enough to keep its rock spirit. But all these songs are ready for a mosh throwdown or in the club equally. So it's a punk bad boy with a slight pop and pristine makeover that you can still take home to your mother. I actually got to see them live <gasps> on, no, on Seth Meyer last night. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still jealous. <laughs> that was the last thing uh, I saw before I went to sleep last night. And it was my, my first experience seeing <gasps> Turnstile. And uh, you're right, they did one song and it was like they did three songs in one. They even ended slipping in a bit of Sly and Family Stone into the, the track. Um, and now I understand why everyone's um, gone bonkers for them. Mm-hmm. This year. It was an amazing live performance. Really, really impressive. Oh, I love this, Marcy. <laughs> but now, Marcy, are we all going to be surprised? What is your third album? I'm waiting just, to do a fake shocked face I've, here. I've slept walk you all into this most predictable moment for me. Uh, I have to talk about Abba's Voyage. <laughs> you just have to forgive me as a diehard Abba fan. I just can't not list it here. I seriously never believed Abba would ever return. They famously um, balked at a billion dollar offer 
to reform a decade ago. So it's like when you're turning down that kind of money, it's not going to happen. But it turned out it meant traveling to America. That's the thing they don't like doing, travel. (laughs) If they're able to stay at home, go into the studio, they're okay with it. But, you know, they hardly need the money given the royalties coming in from compilations and musical that will pre-COVID anyway always seem to be performed somewhere in the world at any given time. Plus there was the spin-off movie franchise. There's even thin dining experiences that they make money off. But here we are 40 years after their very underrated The Visitors album um, with some new music. It's one of the year's biggest selling albums, probably only going to be beaten by Adele in the end um, by the by the early reports coming through. You know, it's it's a pop masterpiece. They knew to keep it short, only 10 tracks. They knew not to modernise their sound, <laughs> but they also didn't let it sound dated. Um, you know, I'm always going to remember that exact moment where, where I was, what I was doing when I first heard uh, a new ABBA song, you know, for the first time in four decades. That was this I Still Have Faith in You song. And, you know, that's enough for me. And there's a great article in The Guardian uh, about why nostalgia was so big in 2021, why um, Adele, Ed Sheeran and ABBA, artists who released, big artists who released albums that sound like you expect them to, have become the biggest sellers of the year. And they, you know, pretty much tied in with COVID and lockdown and us looking for comfort. Well, it's what I needed. I was a sucker for it. <laughs> so it's in my list. Well, I think you and many others, because that definitely has stayed very strong in the charts and I feel like they will continue to do so. So I think, yep, it's a very well, it's a good fitting way to finish our best albums of the year. It caught some horrific reviews, so I may be on my own in listing it. You like what you like and you, I, I'm all I'm all okay with that. Well, for everyone listening out there, don't forget you can listen to our press play best of 2020, I can't even say it, best of 2021 mixtape right now on Spotify. Check out our show notes for the link and you can grab a listen to a heap of tunes to recapture and celebrate some of our favorites of the year and hopefully some new favorites for you all as well. Belly will be returning in a later part of press play's best of 2021. But for now, we're going to move on to our next segment. Stick around after this short break. Part one of Press Play's Best of 2021 continues, including Dave Bailey from Glass Animals sharing what he's been listening to this year. Plus, four of our guest reviewers in 2021 pick their favourite albums of the year as well. That and more after this. This summer, Rewind with Steve Bell brings you two new oral histories of musical milestones. This month, you can join Paul Kelly as he takes you through the making of his Christmas anthem, How to Make Gravy. In January, Steve Bell sits down with Archie Roach to explore stories behind the recording of his milestone album, Charcoal Lane. Rewind reveals how your favorite music is created with the people who created it. You can listen to Rewind with Steve Bell on euphony.com.au or your favorite streaming platform. Rewind your summer. For regular listeners of Press Play, you will be familiar with many, if not all, of our guest reviewers joining us throughout this two-part Best of 2021 special. And for the first time, we've got all four of our regulars here with us on today's two-parter. Given we have just been talking about new albums, we also are now bringing them all in to talk about albums first up. We have music writer, content producer, publicist and podcast host Sosafina Fumoli, host of 2SER's The Tuck Shop and writer Mr Mick Rad music and pop culture journalist Cyclone Vayner and writer, DJ, podcaster and content producer Mikey Carl joining me now to unpack some of their favourite albums from 2021. And in such a stacked year of amazing new music, 
as Masty, myself and Belly had to do, we've asked them to narrow it down to just three, but we've definitely got a killer list amongst all of these people. And as you're about to hear, there's one album in particular that all of our guest reviewers chose in their top three for the year. Could you guess which one it will be? I think we all might know. But first up, here's Sosafina's top three albums of 2021. So Safina is back with me again today on Press Play. So Safina, it is always a pleasure to have you. And obviously you've been with us a few times to start us off today on part one of our best of 2021. We're talking albums first. And we've asked you, not impossible, but we've asked a little bit of a tall order to significantly, you know, minimize your list down to three that have turned your head this year. So what three albums have you got for us today? Sure. Um, yeah, it's it's been... Uh... It has been a task to try and narrow it down, but I've gotten it down to um, Nairi's record three. Fred again, uh, his record Actual Life 2, uh, brackets February 2nd to October 15th, 2021, and Genesis Owusu's Smiling With No Teeth. Noticing Genesis Owusu especially has been a permeating thread. Not We had a look at like the best of list of 2021 too, and so many people are picking it, but I love the contrast of all of them. So can you tell us what it was about these albums that have got your attention so much to these final three that we've made you choose? Sure. Um, well, I think, yeah, like you're right. Like the 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 musically, they're all quite different. But um, I think what tied the three of them together for me was that they it felt like they came at really significant times for each of these artists. Like if we look at the Genesis record, um, obviously it was his debut. So prior to that, I'd sort of I'd known. Genesis on and off um, from over the years. I knew how good he was as a live performer, but I only really knew him through his brother, um, Citizen K. So I was kind of like, oh, that's that's your younger bro. So when I've kind of got to immerse myself in Smiling With No Teeth, it really felt like a moment of arrival for him and him stepping out into um, this completely different spotlight. And it's 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 an album that I mean obviously the whole country has really gravitated towards as we've seen across this year, but I feel like people have gravitated towards it because it's so different in terms of its stylistic choices and the, and the way that it's been produced, but also you can tell that there's such an inherent love there for so many different types of music as well. Um, a friend of mine compared it, compared his sound and like the, the way he's presented himself and his whole aesthetic um, to Death Grips earlier this year. And it was until he said that to me, I was just like, I don't really see it. But then as soon as he said it, it was like something like clicked to me. I was just like, damn, you're right. Like this sort of really alternative um, way of looking at music and channeling it into something completely unique isn't something we've really seen an Australian artist do, specifically an artist of colour, um, which I think is really cool. And, you know, the, there are so many different musical influences across this record, whether it's 
um, touch sensitive, whether it's um, Kieran J. Callanan, you know, there's such musicianship threaded right across Smiling With No Teeth that it's it's just such an insatiable listen and I've, um, I still go back to it mm. now. Um, so that definitely is probably my number one or two choice, I think. Um, but if we, you know, conversely, if we take a look at Three by Nairi, she's been putting the work in consistently for years now and I feel like this record is, you know, if we're talking about artists stepping into different spotlights, this is a transcendent moment for her. Um, we're seeing her making music, um, discovering a new sense of independence, a new sense of resilience. Like she almost died during the process of of, of having her baby and, and kind of coming out of that process, figuring out what her creative and cultural output was going to be. And I feel like this record really represents those struggles and and um, that turbulent time really beautifully. Again, it's also it's a it's a sultry record. It's a sexy record. It's not afraid to be emotional, and it's it's not afraid to to channel those darker emotions into something that sonically is probably the strongest um, she's been on an album. And I love her for that. She's I don't know, she's always been a performer who can take audiences on a on a journey. And I think with this record, she does that really beautifully. And it's it's a reminder of the talent that she has. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then with Fred again, he he's I mean, he's a producer who I'd say I've only really started getting into him over the last year and a bit. Um, so I'm probably a bit late to the game on that one. But I am too, actually. I, when I saw you put it there, I was like, yeah, I've, I felt very late to the party, so I'm with you there. Yeah, but that, that's, you know, sometimes that's the best way because, you know, he's got such a body of work already um, kind of fleshed out. And the, the first song I heard of his was the track that Angie McMahon is on. And um, I think it's just called Angie. Well, it's like something Angie. And um I was just like, oh, that voice sounds familiar. And then I, I looked up the, the the artwork for the single. I was just like, oh, that's Angie McMahon. That's so interesting to hear her, like her voice, which I kind of associate with a very specific type of music transplanted into this whole new world. And I thought that was really interesting. And then when I realised that he's done that throughout the whole record, just, you know, forming these unique soundscapes around some really different um individual voices who independent of Fred again have really um made their own mark as as their own artists I thought that was a really smart idea and um yeah I just think this record's beautiful the production is so lush and um intricate and again the way that so many different voices thread together to to make the final product sound as cohesive as it does I think that's a real accomplishment Absolutely. And three that I unfortunately could not put in my top three, but I think are really <laughs> important releases and I'm so glad you did bring them up. So thank you. Of course. And Mick Rad is also back today on Press Play. Mick, you have been here with Press Play from the very beginning. And so it's very fitting to have you here for our best of 2021 special episodes to end the year. So to get us started, the impossible task that I keep saying to everyone, myself included, but can you take us through your three favorite albums of 2021? 
Hey, Tiana, it's great to be here for the best of. Uh, is this the hardest thing to do or what? Um, oh, my you... God. Don't get me started. <laughs> I've been pulling my Try... hair out. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I kept on changing and switching and sort of swapping and trying to work out what was my favorite, you know, but this one had this one. And, you know, it, you, you eventually just have to settle on something. So I think I've got a pretty good mix of, of albums and uh, that I, I loved this year. Mm. Um, and it's been a big year for albums. So much great music and look i have to give a, a precursor to all this is that most of the music i listen to is australian music i am obsessed with australian music i have an australian music show on 2scr so i'm just like that's 95 percent of what i listen to so that's what i'm talking about today which is very welcome don't you worry <laughs> <laughs> um the first album i want to talk about is liz stringer's album first time really feeling this is her first album in five years, and it's really, really personal to her, talking about some really tough times in her life over the last five, six years, including getting sober, moving around the world, and, and really reflecting on her future and what she wants to do with her songwriting. Now, she's been an amazing artist for, for a very long time, and she's also worked, of course, with um, Dyson, uh, Mia Dyson and uh, Jen Cloa as Dyson Stringer Cloa. So... People should not be aware of Liz Stringer, but her solo stuff has never really, I guess, reached the heights that maybe the other two in that group have. But with this album, she's really just taken it by the reins and, and created an amazing record. Uh, she recorded this over in Toronto with a with a band, a bit of a hodgepodge band, but she was sort of convinced to put it all together over there. And what comes out is this album it just spirals you into her life and her world. And it's the first time she's really gone personal on her songwriting like this. But it's so good that you have, like, you feel you're going along for the ride with her on this record and it's it's, it's all the better for it. So, yeah, first time really feeling, if you haven't heard it, is just a, a sensational record. Dangerous is my favourite track on the album. Uh, I think it's the second track uh, on there, but so many of the songs are, are so good. So, yeah, that was definitely a standout for me. Um, then we trek on to Birds. And I know we've talked about Birds or other people have talked about Birds on this um, podcast, but how can he go past this record? His, his album's called Legacy. It's his debut, but it's so self-assured and it's so powerful, so honest and thoughtful. There's so much in this record that it's hard to believe that it's his first one. <laughs> and, you know, he's been around for quite a while and he's done a bunch of singles. And, of course, um, when Baggy La Umbargan came out, I think it was last year or the middle of last year, it was, I think it really set the scene for what this record was going to be. teamed up with his cousin Fred Leone and just created this song that was powerful and everyone just noticed it and that sort of set the scene for the singles to come. He did Fly with Nairi. He's teamed up with some amazing people like Nairi, like Fred Leone, like Uncle Jack Charles and of course Missy Higgins. I mean this is a really cool story that Birds only met Missy Higgins on the set of the set that show on the ABC and they oh, did so like poetic. a yeah yeah <laughs> and they did this track together on TV, and then Birds happened to go, hey, I've got this beat, and just reached out to Missy and said, would you mind singing on this thing for my album? And she was like, of course, let's do it. So it's just such a cool thing that, 
you know, maybe he didn't have an idea or he, he wanted somebody on his track and then ended up getting uh, Missy Higgins to sing on uh, Legacy Part 2, which is one of the tracks from the album. Uh, it's just a powerful album. I'm sure you've listened to it, Tiana. It's, um, I keep on going back to it as just something that just gets me motivated. Yeah, I, it is definitely one. I think especially when we spoke about it on Press Play, I, would, I had listened to it, but like, I, like you actually went back and I actually had to like give it another listen again just to absorb it all and I'm hooked now so I'm glad you had it because it was one that you'd have to unfortunately miss out for me so I'm so glad it's getting represented in press play today because it needs to be it's so yeah it's such an important album I think so too and and if anyone should listen to a song in there it's Aussie Aussie and of course it's it stirs up some really important issues in there but it's, it's delivered in such a way that it just makes you want to listen and believe and and get on board so yeah Birds a great album from this year and well there's an album that I'm sure is on a lot of best album lists this year. It's it's one that I, I nearly didn't put on only because I knew everybody else would. But I thought, well, I've just got to be honest, right? I've got to yep. put on the album that I love. And this is always going to be the top of the album, top of the list for 2021. I'm talking, of course, Genesis Owusu. <sighs> I could talk for hours about Genesis Owusu. Um mm. I've known him for, for a number of years, but I remember seeing him and I just want to bring up this because I saw him at Laneway in 2017 in Sydney and it was 11.30 a.m. Um, February 2017. It was on a, on the main stage, but he won the Triple J Unearth comp, so he was just there at the very, very beginning of the day. And on this stage that later on would have thousands of thousands of people watching Tame Impala, there was about 20 or 30 people watching Genesis Owusu. And back that, back then, I always, already knew his music. I knew he was great. And I was looking around just going, where is everyone? I should be watching this guy. This guy is amazing. He's going to be a, a superstar. And, of course, he was only 18 back then. Wow. And then you fa- yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you fast forward four years later and he's broken out of, I guess, the shadow of his brother, Citizen K, but – you know, it's not to say that they're competing because Citizens K has been a huge supporter of his brother the whole way through. But here we are, hundreds of shows and thousands of hours work later. And Kofi Ansar, also Genesis Owusu, is this overnight sensation, but he's been working at his craft for so many years um, and developed into someone who's not just about the music or the genre, but it's all about the art that surrounds it, mm. as we've seen from his shows and his videos and everything to do with this album. Um, Smiling Without Teeth, of course, is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, how many people have got this on their list, Tiana? I'm sure it's a lot. <laughs> Look, I think there's a reason why. And what's really been interesting to see as well is that it's not just locals that are picking up on this, like it's making international best of lists as well. And I think that says it all. I mean, Australia, obviously, it's very important here. But for an album like that to actually resonate so far out in such a stacked year, like, yeah, as if you're not going to put it on there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and and top it all off, he's such a, an awesome dude, you know, so nice, so friendly. And um, this aesthetic that he has on his album, he's indicated this is it. This is for this album. That's how it'll look. And then the next album, it's going to look completely different. It's going to have a different aesthetic. It's going to have different art, everything around it. So it's just so much excitement of what to come with Genesis of Wisdom. And to think this is his debut album, it's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Quite goosebumps, overachiever in the best way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant picnic. Well, we're going to bring you back a little bit later in part two of our press play little special. So thank you so much for your albums today. No worries. Thank you. And now to hear from another one of our guest reviewers that has joined us on press play in 2021. Cyclone is back on press play and Cyclone right now, we're chatting about some of our favorite albums of the year. So I know we've made you narrow it down to three albums, which is a bit tricky, but what albums made your list this year and why? 
Well, Tiana, it was an amazing year for music. The Brit art rapper Little Sims is a unique talent and her album Sometimes I Might Be Introvert or Simbi really made sense to me having interviewed her a couple of times. We hit the zoo, once wasn't enough, got an ocean full of knowledge you could scuba dive. Miss Ethiopia can play so jazzy, they'll sit you down to school you on Selassie. Tell them you're not and we're that a woman, no. Woman to woman, I just want to see you glow. Tell them what's up. She's a very low-key, thoughtful person. But Sims has found a way to express herself as an introvert in a typically demonstrative, even bombastic hip-hop culture. Simbi feels like her processing things. It's very meta. Working alongside Inflow, who's associated with the mysterious soul collective Salt, she also explores different sonic terrain, veering into what could be Disney film music. She delivered an imaginative and ultimately empowering work with so many layers. Oh, and she had the crowns Emma Corrin as album narrator. So that's my first album. Genesis Awusu has revolutionised Australian hip-hop with his very immediate, very groovy album, Smiling With No Teeth, recalling Early Prince, NERD and even Denzel Curry. It's funk, it's punk, it's new wave, it's hip-hop. There's even a folk song. He explores the complexities of his identity as a Ghanaian Australian. Growing up black in Canberra, he felt like an outsider, but he now extols hyper-individualism. Genesis jammed with some really interesting musicians too in the recording sessions, one being Andrew Klippel, who was once in the Aussie Eurodance group Euphoria, believe it or not. It was thrilling to see Genesis win major ARIA awards, including Album of the Year. Now, my third pick. There was some really resonant instrumental music this year, Tranquil Electronica, that felt more ambient or cinematic than clubby. Let's call it a micro-trend. Duran Duran's synth player Nick Rhodes collaborated with Wendy Bevan on the Ambi Techno Astronomia project. John Hopkins made a new age album. But the UK DJ producer Floating Points, otherwise known as Sam Shepard, collaborated with the legendary saxophonist Ferris Sanders and the London Symphony Orchestra on Promises, its sumptuous orchestral jazz unfolding as a series of movements. It's not an obviously programmed album. And most interestingly, Mr Sanders initiated the project himself, reaching out to Sam. So they are my picks. Well, it's an amazing list. And I have to tell you, we've been going through a lot of other media outlets, best of, you know, lists for the year. And all of these albums have kept popping up. So I think you're in very good company. Not that you had to have that to prove you had good taste, but some incredible picks there. And ones that I definitely want to go and have a proper dive through. So you've chosen amazingly today. Oh, thank you, Tiana. And to continue our album charts for today, here is another one of Press Play's guest reviewers who has joined us this year. It's Mikey, mm -hmm. of course. Mikey, I can't believe we're at the tail end of another year, but right it's now on good. part one, oh, it's like good. And I'm like, I don't understand or believe it, but, you know, bring it on, whatever. Mm. What is time? Time is a flat circle. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's a true detective. It really oh, is. Yes. It really is. Maybe that will be my Christmas Christmas treat to myself to rewatch that. But for albums on part one of our best of 2021 press play, Mikey, what albums have been turning your heads this year? We've made you only pick three, which I know are a bit difficult, but what do you got? 
the records that I've dug the most. Smiling with no teeth, Genesis Owusu. Black dog, black dog, you be barking, barking. I always saw your ass as a hindrance, and you saw me as a target bud. Barnyard by Good Morning and Flash Glass, Sleep D and Adlib Collective. From the top, uh, Genesis, you know, Ghanaian, Canberran, uh, absolute freak. Uh, you know, he's been an outcast. He's been an outsider for all his life. And him and his brother, his coffee and Koju, his, his brother, they've just kind of always done their own thing. And it's just a great example of when you do your own thing, eventually either people get it or they don't. And when they do get it, they really, really get it. And I thought it was just some... Um, a remarkable body of work. He wanted to bust out as well. He wanted to bust out of that whole um, sort of funk thing that he had going on. Like he had kind of like a little bit of a, uh, he was sort of pigeonholed as, as kind of a funk artist and he wasn't super into that. And so what they did, Andrew Klippel, his producer got t- touch sensitive, you know, from the dance world, Karen J. Callanan from the synth pop world, uh, Julian Sudek from the rock world and yeah, Klippel himself. Uh, more of a jazz cat on keys and they just jammed out jammed out jammed out and just came up with songs on the spot and Genesis you know quite a lot of the time freestyling and the end product you know to, to go through this you know to sort of uh, go, go right into it they've just come up with you know they've extracted so many gems and made a whole record out of it and I think it's just a proper body of work as well I think you know quite often these days we go do, do records albums you know matter do people still think in terms of albums the way he starts off and so he does this you know, wonderful palette cleanser, which is very different to the, to the rest of the album, and then launches into it. This singles for days as well. The other Black Dogs, Massive, Don't Need You, which I'll speak about in a little while, you know, is the fuck you to depression, in the words of Josh Richards, who wrote uh, about that in, in Enemy. Uh, and the whole thing is a blast. It could easily be, you know, a, a laborious listen, but it's just, yeah, it's an absolute blast. And also I think the way they paired the visual stuff as well with the guys, you know, you, straight away you think of Genesis Wooster, you think of the bandages over the face, yes. think of the, the proud gold tooth, you know, you think of this really sort of in-your-face distinct visual um, narrative that, that they've established as well. I was lucky enough to see it live. It was an odd experience live because there was only sort of a third full because of the, the COVID rules. So you did feel like you were at a party that you're like, this is a really killer party. Why are there not more people here? Mm-hmm. So, so that, that kind of aspect of it, and that was with the goons. So sort of with the goons and not a live band. So I'm super looking forward to seeing it, you know, fleshed out properly with a live band, preferably with all these guys playing as well, mm-hmm. because I think that's the, the, the full experience where you sort of get, you know, all that sort of, visceral um kind of energy and just sort of smashed over the face with all these great pop songs which is sort of hidden you know disguises hip-hop and punk and all this kind of stuff but you know i've got this sort of pop beating heart so yeah i was super into that record yeah excellent choice and one that has been a permeating um favorite amongst not just press play people but a lot of best of lists we've seen as well mm, i'll tell you right now too that is the hot favorite to win the australian music prize the thirty thousand dollars australian mm-hmm. music prize mm-hmm. i don't see what could beat it however this may beat it you know it's certainly going to kind of nudge it so that, you know tickle at its ovaries slash nipples uh barnyard by good morning now six full-length release or six release major release from these guys um I can tell you behind the scenes too, a lot of shit went down with, with this record. Nearly, you know, took a long time to come out because I had a huge fight with their 
previous label, previous friend and previous uh, sort of label boss, which I won't mention that person's name, but it got really, really uh, full on behind the scenes and it got pretty ugly as well. And lawyers were called in, lawyers who charged by the email. So, you know, they're sort of losing money each month. And now it also has kind of turned around. And now that the streams have gone through the roof, because they got TikToked with the track Warn You, the, the first track that many, many years ago, our friend Tyler, the creator, got onto via Bandcamp. So now those guys are raking in 15K a month, just bang, every month, you know, <laughs> just lockdowns on no, through the streams, which is just super, super gratifying. But away from the, sort of the financial kind of gross stuff, um, there are so many great tracks on this. Really. There's a track on Matthew Newton, which I'm completely obsessed with all about Matthew Newton, but it's, you know, it's more like a sort of a vignette about, um, you know, basically the guy wrote it, or Liam Parsons wrote it about the first person he can remember being canceled. So that was Matthew Newton. And, you know, he put it out and I, I saw a show with them and they got interviewed the day after Burt Newton passed and were asked about the Matthew Newton song. This American journalist had done all her research and, you know, so it's got this sort of this tinge of melancholy through it and kind of, yeah, this, you know, celebrity and nepotism and all kinds of uh, interesting kind of juicy themes. And it's not presented in a voyeuristic way. I think it's a presented in a very much like a, a half-thought vignette way. We don't always get that as well. You know, we get it mm. with Parquet Courts. We get it with Courtney Barnett's early stuff as well and Velvet Underground. But we, we don't get enough of it where you know, it's, a, it's a song and it's not here to make this huge statement, but it, it is going to take you to another world and give you something really juicy to, to, to listen to and to think about as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, super into that, that good morning record and the, the whole way through the fact that they, they've put the single right at the end. So that's what they did. They like, okay, we want to put the single as the last track and then work up to that. That was a really cool way of thinking about how to approach a, a record as well. Yeah. I do like that actually. And it got me, it worked. <laughs> mm, mm. And that was their new order track too. So the track country, that's their nod to new order. They just like, basically, oh, yeah. they just want to try to rip new order off. Like, well, well ripped off, you know, sort of well played. Yeah. With this chintzy, chintzy, chintzy drummer scene. Try and say that while you curled up <laughs> on your daughter's bed, who also has COVID like you. <laughs> we're fine. We're fine. And the third record I was going to tell you about T is flash glass, sleep D and ad lib collective. A lot of people got really excited about the floating points and, uh, Oh, Ferris and Ferris Saunders, Ferris Sanders, yes. Ferris Saunders. And that was a dope record. That's really, really impressive piece of work. But this is definitely up there. Sleep to you, the kind of people I, I recently interviewed Harvey Sutherland on my own podcast. And he says they'll have a show coming up on the weekend and they'll just write a whole new set just for that one show. You know, these guys are really, really committed to um to their craft and to their narrative and, and to sort of pushing music forward. Two guys out of Frankston, straight out of Franger. So, you know, mm. they're, t- they're tough nuts. And that kind of, you can hear this kind of like brutalist architecture slash getting beaten up age 12. Like, you, you, I don't know, you can sort of hear all of the kind of that rough, rough and ready kind of, you know, discovery dance music. And then this peels back all the layers of dance music and it's super dubby and it's just, it's really, really good stuff for the head. You know, you put it on and um, it's a great classic sort of headphones uh, album. And yeah, they hooked up with, with AdLib Collective, a bit of a mysterious collective right there. And they just managed to just produce this very cohesive uh, body of work, which is as satisfying, if not more satisfying than anything Sleep D. Because like, Sleep D sometimes can be a little bit too foreboding slash um, sometimes they, they, I feel like they extract too many elements, like too many sort of m- melodic elements out. And yeah, to, to really, this one you can latch onto a, a lot more and uh it's healing me, healing music. It's wellness music without 
know, the libertarian um, Ziggy Albert's kind of pong to it. Mm, love pong. it. <laughs> mm, Brilliant. And keep an ear out for more from our amazing team of Press Play guest reviewers throughout this two-part special. There's definitely more musical insight and 2021 music goodness coming your way from all of them. As with anything you hear in either part one or part two of Press Play's Best of 2021, we have made a standalone playlist on Spotify to accompany these special episodes. Check out our show notes over at euphony.com.au to follow along or search Press Play Best of 2021 mixtape on Spotify. Definitely some amazing albums across the board there. Did any of the albums we mentioned so far make your Best of 2021 list? I hope that we've given you at least maybe a few that might have been outside your listening or maybe we've just reiterated exactly what you picked. Either way, some awesome albums. But now it is time for another guest artist to join me on Press Play and I'm over the moon to bring you a little insight into what Dave Bailey, aka frontman for beloved UK group Glass Animals, has been listening to this year. This year, of course, has been massive for Glass Animals. Their album Dreamland continued to turn heads and here in Australia especially, their track Heatwaves not only took out the number one spot on the Triple J Hottest 100 back in January, it also became officially the most streamed track of the year in Australia, confirmed by Spotify. Now, Glass Animals will be heading down under next year for some headline shows and, of course, jumping up on stage for Splendour in the Grass. But before that happens, here's what Dave was listening to this year. I have, I was thinking about this the other day, and I wrote a list. Oh. Because um, it's that time of year, isn't it? It's that it sure time is. of year. You start thinking about what you're listening to. I've been listening to Wet Leg. Do you know Wet Leg? I do know Wet Leg. I like Wet Leg. Um, song called Chaise Long. I like that one. I got obsessed with this Troy Sivan song. Yep. Um, it's called Could Cry Just Thinking About You. It's like a really raw, like, acoustic number. And I think it's just, is that how you pronounce his name? Sivan? Troy Sivan, yes. Nailed it. Yeah. Oh, just like, beautiful song, that. Yeah. And um, what else? I listen to Lord Record a lot. I really love that one. Mm-hmm. I always have time for Kanye Records. So yes. I listen to that a bit. And... Um, I've been listening to this guy, Didi uh, Dumbo. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I end up revisiting his records every once in a while just because I think they're so beautifully recorded. And um, yeah, that's kind of, that, was, that was what I wrote down. Dave from Glass Animals there highlighting some artists that got him through the year. And if Glass Animals were still on your listening list, it is obvious they would have made a lot of people's Spotify rap playlists based on their streaming numbers alone. But be sure to catch them when they finally head back to Australia next year. Live shows are back on the menu and I actually cannot wait to see them in action once again. But while there's been heaps of great albums and artists putting out original content this year, there's also been some pretty awesome cover versions out and about too. So to close out part one of Press Play's special two-part Best of 2021 series, Andrew Master is joining me again to chat about some of these notable covers that we have been loving this year. Well, Masty, you're back with me and part one of our Press Play Best of 2021 is starting to wrap up. But before we launch into part two and dive over into all of that, we are going to now chat about some cover songs and other memorable musical moments potentially too from 2021 that caught our attention this year. 
I'm I'm one of those people that's a sucker for covers. Like I I love hearing a familiar song in a new way. I'm probably half the reason things like Like a Version are so popular. <laughs> and and I thought there was some caucus this year. I actually really really struggled to narrow it down to to just a handful. So I'm going to say probably my top cover of the year was um, It's a Sin by Years and Years. Um, Ollie Alexander from Years and Years. Well, he is Years and Years now. The rest of the band left, and he's kept the name. Uh, he started one of the year's best best shows, a British drama about the AIDS epidemic in the 80s. It was a smash hit in Britain and absolutely sealed Alexander as a, a bona fide actor. He, he acted before, but, you know, as vampires and things like that, people don't take that seriously. And then he covered the Pet Shop Boys pop classic that the show took its name from, and now it's an epic tearjerker. It's amazing, and he uh, did a duet version of it with Elton John as well. Um, yeah, so absolutely, hands down, my, my favourite cover of the year. I've got to say, too, um, one of my favourite bands covered my absolute favourite band. <laughs> Who could Spree. it be? <laughs> Polyphonic Spree covered ABBA's The Visitors. second time I've got to mention the visitors um it had to be good I've seen Spree a lot I've, I've been up to Sydney to see them I've seen them every time they've played Melbourne I've seen them in America in their hometown I just cannot get enough of polyphonic Spree live I previously seen them do a night of covers uh, in Melbourne that was absolutely mind-blowing so it was no surprise that now the very stripped down lineup uh, dropped Athletus I think that's how you say it an album of covers this year but besides this awesome take on ABBA there's In Excess, Rolling Stones, The Monkeys love hearing them tackle other people's songs mm. my final one is Orville Peck and his cover of Born This Way it was a quieter year for Orville following Peck Mania 2020 um, but I think this Lady Gaga cover might have actually been his only official release of the year and he absolutely owned it I thought nothing could top his Unrighteous Brothers covers project from last year but indeed he did top it. So they were my they were my pick of the covers. You've got some good picks and we haven't doubled up. I can't believe it. I'm so proud of us. But um, look, I have to put my hand up. I've chosen four covers because all the stuff that I thought happened this year in like the other realms, it happened in 2020. <laughs> so like anytime there was a band that was in a game or a TV show, I was like, oh yeah, that was last year. Really, really well done. So I know you've got some things to say on that matter. So I'm going to go to my covers first. So my first one, Marcy, I know you may not love, but chalk it up to the lockdown blues and my nostalgic high school days of being obsessed with the Foo Fighters. I was so into the Foo Fighters turning disco, especially the cover of the Bee Gees, You Should Be Dancing. They released under their alter ego, the DGs, very original. But as a person who doesn't really like disco, I was genuinely surprised how much I liked it. I don't know if it was the glossy music video or just seeing Dave Grohl and co clearly loving themselves sick with some falsetto and neon lights aplenty in the music video. And Dave Grohl actually said he was inspired by a HBO documentary about the Bee Gees that he never saw to make this. So I don't know how that works, but, you know, let's not ask too many questions. Foo Fighters, Disco, 2021. 
say no more. Let's move on. So my next one was a surprise as well. So when I found out Metallica was celebrating the 30th anniversary of their self-titled 91 album, the Black Album, as some people know it, they announced a tribute album alongside a lot of other treats earlier this year. And the Metallica Blacklist was a behemoth tribute album that features, I think, about 53 artists all up covering all the songs from that amazing Black Album. So when I first read the lineup, I was instantly drooling over the prospect of bands like Ghost, Phoebe Bridges, Idols, Biffy Clyro taking on Metallica, and the chats obviously repped Australia there as well. But Masty, my standout, lo and behold, was none other than Miley Cyrus's cover of Nothing Else Matters. So close, no matter how far Couldn't be much more from the heart Forever trust in who you are I keep saying ARMY, but she had an ARMY here as well. She had Elton John, Chad Smith, Yo-Yo Ma, Watt and Robert Trujillo. And I swear, Miley's voice was just made for Metallica Masty. Who knew? But I didn't. (laughs) Well, and funnily enough, it turned out, like, I actually didn't realise she actually performed the song in Glastonbury in 2019. So she constantly has this huge connection to the song. So it's a little bit sweet. It's a little full circle moment for her with that. And she loves a cover. She does love a cover. (laughs) And that voice, I just can't. I love it. I do love it. So... Another cover I loved this year, it's my first mention of a Triple J-like version. So way back in April, Ocean Grove took on Sneaky Sound Systems UFO. They did bring along Running Touch for proceedings to For Good Measure, who also used to be part of Ocean Grove as well, obviously. But the UFO version for Ocean Grove kicks off a little bit more subdued than the band usually are, but things then take a delightful turn. Soon enough, we get thicker riffs and chunkier drums and they inject their own beautiful self-titled Odd World sound to the mix. And we even get some of Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit into proceedings as well. Very fun, very, very shimmery. And it's a fantastic take on that 2006 dance classic. But my final cover, also like a version and a very recent one. So Perth group Alter Boy took to the Triple J studios to do a cover of Lil Nas X, Montero, Call Me By Your Name. And we have mentioned him, I think, at the start of part one, Master. We did definitely mention how big that album has been. But this ain't your average like a version. Alter Boy gifted an Auslan cover with vocalist Molly front and centre. And we also had bandmates Laura and Jack performing in Auslan and some extra in- instrumentals for good measure Marcy, this is a band I'm continually excited by every time they do something new and it's just so important to see them really embracing the deaf community and they're just so passionate and truly advocates for the community and I love that they're showcasing sign language and that the accessibility of music can exist, you know, in so many different ways and I also just loved the song, like, plain and simple, apart from anything else. I only just stumbled across this this week. It is amazing. It is mind-blowingly good. Everything about it is is just exciting. Um, uh, you know, they're a diverse band, and the 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 actual music uh, music arrangement of it was spectacular. It's such a good song too, and they just did it so much justice. This this is one that just just missed uh, me giving a mention too. So I'm glad you threw that in. Snuck it in. <laughs> now, Marcy, what? 
other musical moments have you got from 2021 to share with us before we round up part one? Well, uh, I may have already mentioned that uh, I watched a lot of TV this year, so I wanted to talk about the, some of the music uh, that pro- popped up in uh, music and TV. We were going to talk about music and games too, but too much time on TV, not enough games for me. So uh, one thing that happened was two great shows about fictional bands appeared this year. From the UK, we got a Muslim punk band in uh, We Are Lady Parts, the band being called Lady Parts. Uh, that, that one's on stand. It was not only extremely funny, but the tunes were stuck in my head for days. Great originals with great titles like Bashir with the good beard uh, and spot on covers. Their take on nine to five is, is so good. And there is a wonderful Wayne's World homage in the middle of one of the episodes as they sing along to the Proclaimers on a road trip. It was an absolute highlight of the show. From the US, there was Girls Five Ever, which was uh, a Tina Fey production. It's also on stand. It was more about the laughs, but the R&B pop songs written for the show were pretty impressive. Famous Five Ever, the theme song, is crazy catchy, but most importantly, it actually gave us a new Milk Carton Kids song in New York, Lonely Boy. It makes no sense out of context, but when you see it, it's the absolute highlight of the series. And the other thing I was a sucker for was great TV themes. There were two shows where I could not take up the offer to skip the opening credits on, and that is The White Lotus and Succession. When those shows are on, I have to hear those themes and I, I happily, you know, dance to them in a nightclub. <laughs> yes. dance, but I'd do it. Oh, yes, very welcomed. And you know what you've actually just reminded me? I do have something to bring to the table here. I'm going to go for WandaVision, but for it was <gasps> Agatha all along. I just realised that was this year. How good was that song? That's so funny. I was looking through my lists of what I watched and went, there was no music in WandaVision. And, yes, there was. One of the great you've, songs of the You've year. just triggered me. Oh, Catherine, Catherine, wasn't she just <laughs> such a scene stealer? So I'm going to chalk that up. That was my big moment in TV. Clearly I'd watched a lot of TV this year, Marsty. <laughs> I wanted to quickly flag some um, soundtracks as well. There was an impressive soundtrack came in the form of bumps, wall-to-wall, local music across all genres. Um, it's it's a Sydney uh, high school show, but it's not really like a high school drama. It's, it's very funny. It's got Claudia Cavan. Season two is coming to stand on Boxing Day. I've already seen the trailer and there's an Alex the Astronaut song on it, so I expect more goodness. And not only that, the characters all wear band T-shirts, they have posters on their walls, so there's so much train spotting for local music to be done in that show. Cannot recommend it highly enough. Also, Sex Education, I'm a big Ezra Furman fan, so this show just keeps cranking out the new Ezra songs, so that makes me very happy. I was shazamming the crap out of Taka Waititi's Reservation Dogs and Issa Rae's final uh, Insecure season. They both had such soundtracks, added a lot of songs to my playlist from there. And then there was an unexpected British chart hit turned out by RuPaul's UK Drag Race season two. Once you hear UK Hun, it's in your brain's random jukebox for life. You've been warned. (laughs) If you love it or hate it, it's stuck for life. Um, now, onto films. This is a weird one because I somehow managed to watch 40 new release films this year. I didn't know there were that many new release oh, films. My jaw year. is dropping at that number. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Uh, I, so I must have watched every film Netflix release. It can be the only way I pulled this off. So I wanted to point out a couple of music-related ones. 
There was a doco about an 80s punker, Polystyrene, I Am a Cliché. That stood out as my favourite film of the year. Uh, I happened to see it at the uh, digital version of the Melbourne International Film Festival. Look out for that one when it comes out for release. I have to mention the US teen film Moxie. It gave us the breakout band of the year in the Linda Lindas. Like, everyone loves the Linda Lindas now. Uh, another doco was the Tina Turner one, Tina. That's an absolute eye-opener. And whether or not you're a fan, I think all people into music will enjoy it. Also got to give a nod to local film The Dry. It gave us that beautiful cover version of Under the Milky Way. And finally, Netflix's The Mitchells versus The Machines um, animated film. I think it's like their number two most watched film of the year. It's made local Alex Leahy a favourite for the Oscars Best Song shortlist, and that's just exciting in itself. And, yeah, that that's that to me is a pretty healthy year in music in, um, for, for uh, TV and film. That is a wonderful roundup, and I'm going to dub you Mr Pop Culture. Like, you just have brought everything to the table, and I'm going to have to get you to write me a list of all the things to watch going into 2022 as well. So I might have to – we'll talk about that after we get off air. But as a reminder to everyone out there, you can listen to a lot of the singles, all the albums and artists that we have spoken about in our Press Play 2021 mixtape. You can check it out on Spotify. The link is in our show notes. And for more info on anything else, you can also jump into part two, which will be coming up after we wrap this episode. So, Masti, I'll catch you over in part two. See you there. Well, that does bring us to the end of part one of Press Play's Best of 2021 two-part series. But fear not, you can immediately listen to part two. It's available right now and there is so much 2021 music goodness living there. We're talking new singles that we loved, some live gig memories from the year and more. And back on deck is Andrew Mast and Steve Bell, all our amazing guest reviewers and some brand new guest artists as well, including rapper Nookie, guitarist Kurt from The Butterfly Effect and Kieron from Baker's Eddie. A massive thank you to Part 1's guest artists Milan Ring and Dave from Glass Animals. Be sure to check out Milan Ring's gorgeous new album, I'm Feeling Hopeful. And 2022 is the year we can all get our Glass Animals live fix once again, with the band returning for some headline shows and a showing at Splendour in the Grass. A big shout out to our amazing team of guest reviewers who have brought so much insight and amazing albums and artists in 2021 for Press Play. You can catch Mick Rad sharing even more music awesomeness hosting 2SER's The Tuck Shop. Check out Sosafina's work. She hosts the podcast Hit Different and a lot of other things. Mikey Carl also hosts Hit Different with Sosafina. He's also DJing, writing, interviewing and more. And, of course, Cyclone is always diving into the worlds of music and pop culture. All music industry superstars, all of our guest reviewers are so amazing. To check out more of their work and get to know a little bit more, we've got links in our show notes to get to know about each and every one of them. A big thank you to Masti and Belly as well for celebrating 2021 with me here in part one. And as I did touch on earlier, Belly has just released a phenomenal eighth series of his hit podcast Rewind with Steve Bell with a three-part deep dive into Paul Kelly's iconic track How to Make Gravy. Retracing the origins of the song and talking with musicians and producers who were there for the ride, that is out right now. Head on over to euphony.com.au or wherever you like to get your podcasts from. And there's also more Rewind goodness very, very imminently. There is a huge series on the horizon looking into the groundbreaking debut album Charcoal Lane from the absolute legend that is Archie Roach. That'll be dropping on January 1st, so definitely set your clocks for that one. If you would like to catch up on any previous episodes of Press Play that you might have missed, or perhaps just discover some new podcasts along the way, 
Head on over to euphony.com.au for all your podcast needs or find us on your favourite streaming platform. You can check out our show notes for any info on anything we've touched on in today's episode. And as I have mentioned frequently in this episode, we have made a special playlist on Spotify. Press Play's Best of 2021 mixtape features all of the artists that we chat about in this two-part end-of-year series. Well, I'm off to go and chat about more 2021 releases in part two. I do hope you can join me and thank you for tuning in to part one. Love music? Press play. Press play is a euphony podcast created by Craig Trewick, produced by Tiana Speeder and Andrew Mast. Assistant producer Henry Gibson, hosted by Tiana Speeder, recorded, edited, and engineered by Zig Parker. Music by Zig Parker. For more information about this episode, go to euphony.com.au. For more euphony podcasts, visit our website, Spotify, Apple, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts.